Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chartered Surveyor, Author and Property Investor. And this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And I'm delighted today to be joined by Derek Pape. Hi, Derek. Morning, Peter. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful. Excellent. Well, I'm really glad to hear that. And I'm really excited to have Derek on the podcast today, because in many sense, Derek is a kindred spirit of mine, and he probably doesn't realise this. But looking through uh, the notes, which uh, I've been going through doing a bit of research on Derek, I see that Derek's one of the first meetings with Progressive was at the uh, Super Conference in 2013. It was, it was my first active Progressive um, meeting that I attended. However, I actually went to a one in 2008 at Marble Arch in London. Uh-huh. Now, back in 2008... I had a little bit of money and I don't know if I'm if I'm allowed to say this but I thought why would I pay these guys in stripy shirts a lot of money that would go as deposits where I live mm. so I didn't and I continued buying a few houses making all the mistakes that I later learned about. But as they always say, you don't know what you don't know. Mm, totally. So I continue, I bought a few. I paid another training um, company, 1500 for a set of CDs. Watched them, cashed in a couple of pensions, bought a few more houses ran out of money for about the third time and thought, I need to get some education. I need to learn how to do. So as you say, that's when I attended the super conference in 2013. And strangely, that's where I sort of first came across them pretty much. So I was there. I was sat on the very back row in Wembley, all on my own. You were probably on the front row. I don't know. <laughs> I enjoyed that weekend. It was really good. Well, we're both here now, aren't we? Yeah, so there we're we are. both it here to tell the good. tale. Must have been good. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, look, let's jump back a little bit because you haven't always been in property, have you? No. Um, so what were you doing before? I, I, I was, I, I come from a golden age where you left school and my mum said to me, you either leave school and get a job or you stay at school and go to college. Hmm. And at the time, you could you could get jobs and you could get work. So I got an apprenticeship at the pits. Hmm. And a lot of people would say, oh, that must have been awful and dark and gloomy and dangerous. I loved it. Hmm. I, I felt I had a job for life. Never dreamed of doing anything else. I was an electrician. That was it. It was relatively well paid for my, um, the people I knew and my circle of friends. 
and everything went along swimmingly. Oh, I'm just going to jump in there because yeah. for some of the younger listeners, they may not even know what the pits were. So without being condescending uh, <laughs> to anybody who, who's thinking, of course, we know what the pits are. But for those who don't, Derek, you're talking about the coal mines and the days the when we used to mines. have a mining industry in this yes. country. And I also ought to say, because the clue's in your accent, but where are you from? I'm from Hartlepool, up in the northeast. And just to be clear, because I have heard some very clever people actually try and work out where Hartlepool is and get it completely wrong, whereabouts is Hartlepool? Hartlepool is 10 miles north of Middlesbrough on the Tees Estuary. Yep. It's about 20 miles south of Sunderland yep. on the Weir and about 30 miles south of Newcastle on the Tyne which I believe is your investment area. It is indeed, which is another reason why we're kindred spirits, but we'll come to that a little bit mm. later. So you're an apprentice electrician. You're working in the coal mines and the pits up in the northeast near Hartlepool. What happened next? In, in 1984, well, to be fair, on the 27th of February 1984, my second daughter, Jennifer, was born. Mm -hmm. which was great. My first daughter, Amanda, was coming up eight, and we had a newborn baby. But on the 4th of March, the miners decided to go on strike. And at the time, I thought I was in a very good position in the sense of I had about £600 in savings. We were going on strike and the past strikes had lasted four to six weeks. Mm. So I thought, I've got a little bit of money to the side. We'll go on holiday. Mm. So I packed up my trailer tent and we went, strangely enough, to Hartlepool for a holiday and camped on the beach. All right. Because it was cheaper to live in a caravan. Mm. You weren't at home using gas, electric, and it was a break, and mm. it was good. However, one week led to another, one month led to another. It became also political and everything else. And ultimately, the strike lasted a year. Mm. Now, it's easy. Well, it's not easy. You may well think, well, you go on strike, you get paid, or you get benefits, or you claim, but you can't. You don't get paid because you're not working. You can't claim benefits because you've withdrawn your labour, so therefore, you've got no income whatsoever. Now, that year was a massive turning point for me mm. because it made me become creative. But presumably at that time, though, I mean, just jumping in again, it must have made you, did you panic after the first six weeks had gone by and you'd run your 600 quid had run down where you begin to think, oh, my word, where are we going with this? Or were you sort of quite cool and relaxed and rationally thinking about being creative as, as it began to unwind? I'm, I'm not really a panicker. Hmm. Um, I am more realistic. I knew I needed to make money. So 
I started doing anything I could to the point of I used to buy potatoes for a pound a bag. I used to then sell them for £1.60 a bag. Mm. I used to clean windows. I started a chimney sweeping business. Mm. And over the, the period of the strike, I suppose I was um, fiddling the tax man, shall we say, because this was all work I was doing and getting paid for. Even to the point, if you can imagine, you're on strike, you've got no money, you're making a little bit on the black market. In the September, I walked into the Halifax and said, I've seen a house I'd like to buy. Mm. Because at that time, I was actually living in a colliery village called Blackhall, mm. which is about three miles north of Hartlepool. I'd seen a house in Hartlepool, which in 1984 was 17,250. I went into the Halifax and said, I've seen a house, can I have a mortgage? Have you got a deposit? They said, no, but I've got a Triumph Stag hard top, hard top and soft top. Hmm. I'm going to sell that for two and a half thousand. That's my deposit. Brilliant. Where do you work? Ah, I normally work at the pit, but as you're probably aware, we're all on strike. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Well, I'm doing all these activities. So in my words, I said to them, don't worry about the mortgage. I will make sure it's paid. So they gave me a mortgage. And I moved in. And I continued to pay the mortgage until we went back to work the following March and then obviously every month after that once we were back at work. Now, Peter is smiling at me here because we both know if you walked into the Halifax or any other bank or building society now and said that type of thing, they would just laugh at you and show you the door. But things were, were they better? It was a different age, wasn't it's it? A totally the, the different The reason why I'm age. smiling is because I'm thinking now you'd probably, you would go through a broker, presumably, but it was the days of personal banking when you had proper bank managers. Nowadays, it's all done on a computer, and if you don't tick the boxes, you don't get the money. Very true, mm. yes. So I moved into the house, I continued to do the various things. One of the things I'm actually quite proud of is a friend of mine had a Ford Capri 3-litre bright orange that had been in a fire and the whole of the interior was burned out. Now, I put new carpets, new seats, new dash, I rewired it all, put a new header cloth and everything um, and did that for him. He paid me in food, which is, again, is, is a bit strange, but he was a friend and it was almost a challenge. Could I rewire a car that I knew nothing about? Mm. You, you know, yes, I was an electrician at the pits, 
but that was high voltage mm. um, and so on. Anyway, the car worked, everything worked. The only thing that we had trouble with was the oil pressure gauge. For some reason, we couldn't get it to work. But, as they say, everything else was fine and the car ran and everything was good with it. So, we go back to work. By the time we go back to work in 1985, it's now obvious that the pits and the coal mines are going to close and are going to be um, the end of an era. So I started to think I need to find something to do to replace my job. Once we got to, say, around 86, by then I was still working at the pits, but I was doing around 300, 350 chimneys a month. And on a particular day, a lady said to me, while you're on the roof, because some of the chimneys, you can't do them from inside, you've got to go on the roof and come down over mm. with brushes and rods. This lady said to me, my aerial has fallen down. While you're on the roof, can you see if you can fix it? I've always been a practical sort of person. And in the car, I had a U-clamp off a car exhaust. I clamped the aerial up, made sure it was solid. I came down, explained to her and said, look, I've used a U-clamp, but it's solid, it's fine. Check the TV, it's working. I charged her £5 for the aerial and £4 for the chimney. The following day, I found a supplier in Newcastle. I went and bought £400 worth of aerial equipment. I put an advert in the local paper and I became an aerial engineer because it was easier. It was an awful lot cleaner and you could make more money at it. Do you know what? That, I'm smiling for two reasons now. Firstly, the idea that you have to have an aerial to get TV, because we've all got Netflix now and it all comes on the internet. Yep. But there we are. For young listeners, you used to have aerials on the roof, usually stuck on the chimney. There we go. But I just love your entrepreneurial spirit, Derek. That's really why I'm smiling. Because, I mean, within you, there's always been an entrepreneur, obviously, because I'm just thinking to myself, how can you actually find the time to keep your job at the pits and do 300-odd chimney cleans and now start another business. Um, I think it was just, I knew I had to create another income. So, yes, it was hard work. It was long hours, as you say, working at the pits and then almost working full time with the um, chimney and aerial business. As, as we always say, if we knew then what we know now, I would have ran the aerial business totally differently because I downsized the chimneys, I upsized the aerials. Over a period of 10 years or more, got to the point where we had six transit vans, we had about nine engineers, we covered the whole of the northeast. For, for the older listeners, 
you will remember a big yellow book coming through your letterbox once a year, which was yellow pages. It was a big A4 book with about 700 pages or more in bigger cities. We used to spend around 30,000 a year advertising in yellow pages. Wow, so a substantial business by that time then. Yes. Um, I, strangely enough, I came, I came across some of my accounts from 2006, 2007, a few months ago. And the aerial business back there, back then, was doing around 300,000 a year turnover. Wow. wow. The only issue with that was £300,000 a year turnover was brilliant, but the net net profit at the end was about £3.70. Ah. So, you know, our expenses were just way too high. Mm. We didn't, don't get me wrong, we I had a reasonable wage, I had a good standard of living, but I was never going to be free. I was never going to be um, wealthy or anything like that. So then, because of Progressive, the 2008 visit to London to not invest with Progressive, and as I've, as I've always said, I am a typical greedy northerner. I don't part with money. I certainly, up until 2013, have never paid for education or anything like that, which now was a massive mistake. Well, I was going to ask, say, were you actually doing property by the time you went to the Progressive event in 2008? Had you started? Yes. So between the aerial company and 2008, somehow you'd got the taste for property. You'd obviously bought your own home, and that had gone reasonably well. Yeah. In the sense that you persuaded the Halifax to give you the money. So that was pretty good <laughs> yeah. under the circumstances. So what, what took you into property then? You've got the aerial business, you've got the chimney sweeping business. Presumably at some point you've left the mines. Yes. I, I left the mines. I took redundancy and left in... 1987 the aerial business had just started so therefore that was when we went through a period of growing and building that up in 2006 bear in mind the credit crunch wasn't even heard of then in 2006 my mum died she had a flat which was left to me and to to give you an idea, my my mum and dad split up when I was about six months old. So I never saw me, my dad at all. My mum brought me and my sister up. And my mum was extremely hardworking. She was a disciplinarian. So if I didn't do as I was told, which often happened, I would get into big trouble. But her flat was bought and paid for, and when she died, that came to me. At the time, in 2006, the aerial business was doing quite well. 
you know, I was making a reasonable wage. And I looked at the flat and thought, if I sell it, the money will go in the bank. Over a period of time, I'll probably buy a car, have a holiday, and the money will disappear. Mm. And I just felt it wasn't the right thing to do. Mm. I knew a little bit about property. So what I did, I remortgaged it. I put a tenant in. The flat was was worth um, eighty thousand. I got an eighty five percent buy to let mortgage, so I ended up with about sixty eight thousand. What I then did, I bought two terraced properties, and I managed to pay full market value from estate agents in Hartlepool at the height of the property market in, 2000, in late 2007 because I didn't know any different. Mm. I then learned a little bit, found a couple of repossessions and bought those. I learned a little bit more. By now, I'm actively going to networking events I still won't part with any money. Mm. Um, I run out of money. I come across deal sourcing. Oh, this sounds a, a good way to make money. Bear in mind, I know nothing about it. I get some leaflets printed. I put them out. I end up almost by accident from the first 500 leaflets I put out. I've got a deal. Market value of the house was, um, I'm going a lot by memory, so my figures might be wrong. Market value was around 70,000. I had it at about 56, but I didn't have any investors. So I found a gentleman in Birmingham who had a company who would sell the deals for you. So, I sold two deals through him. We split the fees. And in the meantime, I started to find investors. And by the time we've messed on with the credit crunch, property prices dramatically falling, I'm still going to network and events. Time has gone by. Rob was at the time he was still talking at a lot of networking events he came up to one in durham um so i agreed to come to the super conference or should i say rob persuaded me to come to the super conference and for anybody who's listening by rob we mean rob moore kind rob of founder moore. of progressive yep yeah um so i attended the super conference and was was blown away would be would wouldn't be an exaggeration now you did say earlier that you realized that you were doing a lot of stuff wrong yes is that when you began to began to dawn on you that maybe there were a better way of doing things yes because i'd heard lots of people talking about mortgage express one day refinance all these sorts of things that I'd missed out on because I didn't know 
and I didn't have the funds and things like that at the time. And I, after the super conference, I came on a JV day mm. here at Peterborough, mm. which at the time, Rob Moore ran it. Mm. And I can remember Rob had mentioned VIP. And I'm having that argument in my head. Just do it. Is VIP, for anybody who's listening, is the 12-month mentoring program which Progressive run here. Yes. yes. Um, and I'm having this argument in my head. You've looked at all the others. You've weighed up the costs. You've, you've thought of every excuse. Just do it. Just sign up. And to be honest, I didn't have the money, mm. but I signed up. I agreed to do um, VIP because I didn't have the money. I paid for it monthly, which back then, I don't know if you can now, but back then Progressive would allow you to spread the cost over four or six months or something. And then I started to learn because once I was on VIP, I did the deal packaging course. I did, at the time, the options course. And I crewed at lots of events to make crew points to pay for courses. For anybody who's wondering, crewing is basically you put on an orange T-shirt and then you help run the event, doing a lot of the practical stuff. Yes. But you can, as Derek says, you can collect crew points. And I often say that they're more valuable than Bitcoin because you can spend them on all this wonderful education, which will make you billions. But there we go. Yeah. On the education courses, but you've also got the advantage of when you're crewing, you can hear a lot of the, the talks and presentations. You can network with people to grow your own network. And, as you say, you can use the points to do courses that you haven't done. So, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a well-educated person. I don't learn that well, which is, which is also one of the main reasons I went on VIP, because I thought the year-long program and month after month having accountability and being told what I should do and how I should progress would work for me, mm. which it did. Well, clearly, and that's why I've got you in today, because ah. we're going to talk about that. But in terms of, this is obviously a big sort of mind shift for you here, mindset shift, because you've gone from not wanting to spend any money at all, being a tight northerner, as you said yourself, yes. to now you're embracing the whole concept of being educated. What difference did that actually make to your investing then? Because you say that you got things wrong before. What changed and what did you, what did you used to get wrong and what are you now getting right? Um, I just thought that you had to have money. You would then get out mortgages. And as we all know, no matter how much money you have, you will run out. I also learned that you don't need money to invest in property. Because you can do options, you can do delayed completions. And I almost built a business 
around not having any money. So therefore, during during the period of, say, 2014-2015, up in Hartlepool, there was still an awful lot of people in negative equity mm. who couldn't sell the houses. Mm. So I've done and still have delayed completions that I agreed at that time. Mm. Through the deal packaging, that gives me fees which I then save up to have deposit pots to buy property for myself. But the, I think the huge shift for me has been mindset. And I've, I've often said I've learned more in the last five years than I had in the previous 30 mm. I've totally shifted in the sense of I want to learn. I want to um, try new ideas. I want to grow the business. So I'm always listening to Audible, which is you download the book, you can listen to it in the car, you can listen to it when you're out walking and anything like that. I'm still in at progressive i still come and learn here um i still attend the um msopi events multiple streams of property income. multiple yeah. streams of property income and from people such as yourself other vip mentors all the speakers and trainers there's a, a wealth of knowledge so you're always learning. You're always growing your knowledge, your business skills. And even on a personal note, I am, um, I am a better, I am a better person than in the sense of, from a relationship point of view, I think more about the other person. Um, and that's that's all come through the education and the training and the courses. Mm. Well, it's a big thing, isn't it? And I think trying to do it on your own is a mistake. Many of us probably, when we come here, we realise that it's held us back completely. I was the same. I tried to do it all on my own. It wasn't until I went to the super conference in 2013 and suddenly met people, having been in my home office for 15 years all on my own, and suddenly I realised that there's people out there and there was... a a wealth to be learned in seeing how other people did it and just being inspired and encouraged by other people is yes. an amazing thing. So where's that taking you now then, Derek? What are you mainly doing? What was your business now? You're not doing the aerials, I'm guessing. No, no, the aerials, the aerials have all gone. Um, in a nutshell, I source and package deals and properties in Hartlepool. I did try a few years ago to do deals away from Hartlepool, but the trouble with that is I don't know the area. Whereas in Hartlepool, I've lived there all my life. I know every street. I know the areas. I know which, which houses will rent out. So I find the deals. I have investors. I sell the 
properties to investors. But on the back of the deal sourcing business, we've built a letting agency, which two of my daughters, which is Jennifer and Samantha, they actually run. Mm. So we now manage about 130 houses. 99% of them are deals that I've sourced for investors. Mm. So therefore, and this is one of, well, probably my biggest passion in property now. I currently have a target of doing 50 deals this year. And you've been very public about that on Facebook. You've I have. made yourself very accountable. Yes, which is good because you're putting it out there, you're telling people what you're going to do, so therefore you're not going to come at the end of December and go, well, I've only done 15 or I've only done 20. Hmm. Now, we've completed on four up to now, We've got two completing this week and more in the weeks to come. So that will naturally grow the lettings business. Do you think you'll make your target of 50? Yes. Excellent. I mean, for, just in case you're wondering, I mean, we're, we're recording this episode at the beginning of February. It'll probably be released probably around about the end of February, beginning of March. So hopefully by then you'll have done even more. But I would have. You're on, you're on track, you think? Yes, yes. Mm. And I've built up relationships with agents because now some of my deals are direct to vendor, some are through agents. Mm. And people, I've heard people say, how do you get deals through agents? Mm. I actually say it's much, much easier than you think. Mm. If you ring up, you don't, you don't even need to go in initially. Mm. Mm. If you ring up an agent and say, could I view that one, that one, and that one? You view, you do your due diligence, you put your offer in, you justify your offer. I think that's the important thing. You say to the agent, the property needs this amount of work doing, Recent sales have been this. Therefore, my offer is because that way the agent will know that you know what you're talking about. They will learn where you are in the market as to your offers. Mm. So therefore, as I say, a lot of our deals are through agents. Mm. A lot of them are still direct to vendor. Mm. Now, I will continue to do that, um, which will keep on going. Mm. The other thing that I think because, because of my background and where I've, or almost where I've come from, about three years ago, Progressive asked me if I would become a mentor on the VIP year-long program. Fantastic. Can I just say and ask you, did you ever imagine that would happen when you no, joined the VIP? Never, never in a, you know, I'd never even thought of it. Mm. Now, 
at the time, I thought, well, that's strange. Why? How can I? Because I think I am a grounded, um, I was going to say modest, but I don't, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not sort of saying, well, I'm not when I am. Mm. But I thought, well, you've got to have a hundred properties. You've got to be doing big commercial deals to be a mentor. But what I learned was all of the mentors are different. They all have their strategy that they are doing that they can help people with. But the biggest thing that I've learned is most of the property people on the VIP program, they know what to do and they know how to do it. It's mindset. It's their concerns of what could go wrong. Mm. Do I need to do this? Do mm. I need to do the other? And I think as mentors, we keep them accountable. We, um, we point them in the right direction. They take the action. They are the doers. We, we just help. And I, I really, I love that side of um, the property business now. Mm. And also, it's, it's vastly changed my, my whole life. If you, if, if you look at it from another point of view, 10 years ago, I would have been out doing aerials, trying to do property part-time. Here we are today. I've come down. I stayed over last night in the Premier Inn. I'm here talking to you. Hmm. This afternoon, I'm going to be mentoring people, hmm. and then I'll drive home. Hmm. How how different hmm. has my life become? Yes. Well, I assume you enjoy that. Oh, I love it. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, and I love seeing people improve and move forward and... I'm I'm extremely cautious about saying to people, you need to get out of your job to go full time mm. into mm. property because mm. one, it's not my decision to make, mm. and two, if they love their job, mm. do property as an extra, mm. as more income, as a future um, income, as a legacy, whatever is right for them, mm. but. A lot of the VIP people do progress, do become full-time property mm. investors, mm. and do do very well. Well, if you or I or any of the other mentor mentors have played a part in that, looking back in years to come, what sort? Of, you know, that is a wonderful feeling. Yeah, um, of, of giving back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you are being modest. I'm going to sort of pull uh, you up on this, actually, because I think that you've got a wealth of experience and knowledge when it comes to things like going direct to vendor, when it comes to packaging and deal sourcing and knowing how to sell the business on, and even pr the practicalities of starting an estate agent. All things which we probably, and, and I know that it's very easy to get into that mindset ourselves, we take it for granted what yeah. we know, but you've got a, an awful lot to give. So I'm really glad that you've got the opportunity through VIP to be able to help other people. It's great that you love doing it. Yeah, 
Yeah. And it's also the whole, and I think people may perhaps don't appreciate the progressive community. Everyone will help everyone else. It doesn't matter what level you you are. If you have a question, if you have um, something you're not sure about, put it out to the community. People will help you. People will support you. Um, you know, that is, it's invaluable. Well, I think one of the great strengths is, as we've identified talking this morning, is that part of it is because many of the people who are in a position to help have actually started where the people who need the help started. So, for example, you started as you know an electrician in the pits. You mm. didn't. You weren't born a property investor. No. With infinite knowledge of property, you've actually learned the hard way, and you've like bootstrapped your way up to being a property investor, which means that you're in the perfect position to actually help anybody who is themselves starting and wondering how they can do it. And I think that's one of the great strengths of the progressive community because there's many, many people within the community who have been through it. We've been through the trenches. We know what we're talking about. We know exactly what the battles and the struggles are because we've been there as well. Yes. So I think that's a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to ask you this, Derek. It's a bit of a controversial question, actually. There we go. But for those who are listening to this who perhaps until recently, perhaps even only when they listened to this podcast, heard that there is a place called Hartlepool, what is the big attraction of investing? Because one of the things which I notice a lot when I'm doing the masterclass t- training is the number of people who come up to me over a break and say, of course, I don't really want to invest up north because you can't really make any money up north. And I think, where does that idea come from? What was your take on it? What, 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 what are the advantages of investing up north at the moment? Are there any? Um, I would say there are lots of advantages of investing up north. I personally only know Hartlepool. Mm. I do know the other areas slightly, mm. but I myself only buy in Hartlepool and only invest and source deals in Hartlepool. Mm. Now, the massive advantages are you can get some really good properties for between 50 and 70,000. Mm. They will rent out at 500 to 600 pounds a month. So therefore, you've got really good yields, you've got low entry of the amount of money you've got to put in. Mm. So therefore, you're going to get um, 9, 10, 11% yields. Mm. You're going to get 16 to 20% return on the capital invested. Mm. So for someone who wants to grow a portfolio, why would you invest in other areas where purchase prices are 200, 300, 400 and up over. Yeah, absolutely. And with a small amount of money, you could have four or five properties, all cash flowing, which it wouldn't take that many properties to replace an income or create an, an extra pension. Or something like that. Mm. Um, you know, there are lots of 
areas in and around Hartlepool that are fantastic. Mm. Beaches, um, Hartlepool historic quays where we restore ships and things like that. Yes, it's not London. Mm. You know, there's not um, theatres on every corner and mm. things like that. Mm. But I think the northeast of England is extremely warm and welcoming. Mm. The people are friendly. The The area is is really good. Employment is pretty good. Um, so from a, an investment point of view, it's great. It's certainly not a desolate wasteland, which I think, oh, unfortunately, stereotypically, no, no. some people kind of imagine it all is. No. No, I, I totally agree. I think there's a, a lot to be said for it. So, yeah, if you're wondering where to invest, if you're thinking, where shall I make my gold mine area, you could do worse than perhaps get in touch with Derek and uh, see if Derek can help you source some properties in Hartlepool and achieve his goal of 50 properties this year. Yes, yeah. yes, that would be good. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, keep that for a moment. We'll, I'll ask you for your contact details in, in, a, in a moment. But um, just to sort of carry on this kind of view of life and how it's changed for you, what are your big plans in property then? Where do you see yourself in sort of five or ten years' time? Um, I am at an age where a lot of people are thinking of retirement. Hmm. When, whereas I don't. I still see myself as investing in property. I'm still going to buy more this year. I'm going to buy more next year. I'm building my cash flow. Mm. About, about a year ago, I did a commercial course, a year-long mentorship mm. for commercial, mm. because I thought... Well, I've got buy-to-lets, I do deal sourcing, I've got one here, more. so commercial conversion is the next step. Mm. However, I only looked in Hartlepool, we looked at lots of sites, and because of the end values, we couldn't get them to stack right. where we would make we would make our profit. Mm. I think the biggest thing with that was the builder who would do all the renovation and the building work or even new builds, he's going to make his profit and we're trying to make our profit on top of his mm. and the end values wouldn't support that. Mm. Now, I did about 10 months of the, the training. Mm. And on the mastermind day, I used the mastermind day in my session to say, am I doing this wrong? Am I a busy fool? Am I missing a trick? And ultimately, the, the outcome of that mastermind session was, why try and do something else when I'm already good uh, and that's not me being big-headed. You know, I think there's been an element of luck that I've found deal sourcing and packaging while I had to be creative. Mm. So my plan is to continue doing the deal sourcing, which in turn grows the lettings, 
which grows the business for Jen and Sam. It will also grow my own properties for cash flow. I'll continue doing the mentoring. Why do I need to do more things or different things and have different challenges, different stress levels? Continue. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's an interesting philosophical point, and that's one of the mm. things which I think we, you're right. We need to keep ourselves grounded. I often say that we need to do what's in our flow, and many people are tempted to try and do everything, and they imagine that they should be good at everything. But it's, the reality is we're not all good at everything, but we are all good at some things. And yes. that's what we need to be thinking about probably when we're thinking about our 70-20-10. And it is a 70-20-10. It's not a 50-10-10-10-10-10. No. Or, or whatever. Yes. I think I, I, I totally agree with people need to not think, I'm going to do this particular strategy. They need to think, what strategy am I going to love doing that works in my area? Mm. And if you can get that, then that is brilliant. Mm. If you need to do a strategy that's maybe 20 minutes away or something like that, then that's fine as well. But I think, I think for a lot of people... It's not about, for instance, saying, I'm going to do deal sourcing for single lets in Bath. And I don't know Bath. And for anyone who lives there, I apologize if I'm saying anything out of turn. But I believe single let yields will be very low. Mm -hmm. Purchase prices will be very high. Mm -hmm. Whereas... If you're going to do deal sourcing in Bath, you need to add value. Mm. You need to do change of use to, um, to, to increase the value of the property in some way. Whereas I don't need to do that in Hartlepool, so I don't do it. Mm. So I think it's important that people find something they, they can really enjoy and grow to love in their area if possible. Yes. Yeah. If not possible. If not possible, come to Derek, who yeah, does absolutely. love it, in Hartlepool. Well, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, if you can't, and by the way, if you can't find something within 20 minutes, don't panic, because I think the next no. best thing is then find a JV partner, somebody like Derek, who you would enjoy working with. So either enjoy the strategy and do it yourself where you are, or find somebody you love working with who'll do it for you somewhere yes. else. Yes. That, I think, is the, is the formula. And probably have a bit of both. Yeah. Do something yourself where you are and work with somebody you love working with who's somewhere else and, and spread your risk and spread your strategies. Mm. That would be perfect. Mm. Cause, because that's, that's another thing that, that I've learned. I've always been um, a bit withdrawn, a bit... Um, of I can do everything myself. Mm. Whereas, as the business has grown, we have teams who do everything. Mm. I have JV partners um, and things like that who mm. I work with, who I invest with. Mm. I never thought that would happen. Mm. So again, as you go through your property journey, 
opportunities come. Some come that don't work. Some come that do work. Mm. So you you build on the ones that do work and build up relationships, partnerships, and so on. With mm. you know, a lot of my investors are not only are they investors, they're actually very good friends. Mm. So therefore the whole the whole setup works well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well Derek, we're pretty much at the end of our time now. I have to say that 2013 was quite a formative year for Progressive, for both wasn't of it? Us. Well, for both us and for Progressive, of course, because that's when they got us. But I remember you were on VIP at the same time as myself, I remember. And you were talking a lot then about, I remember you were running little round table sessions on how to do yes. low money down deals and uh, creative deals. So you've always had it there, haven't you? Mm. It's always been the way that you've been going. And it's great to see that the fulfillment of that is that you're now a successful property investor in your own right and a successful businessman with your deal sourcing and your estate agency. So that's really great. So if anybody wants to contact you, if anybody wants to talk to you about perhaps looking at properties in Hartlepool, or even if they've got properties up there and they want somebody to manage them, potentially talk to you as the letting agent, how do they contact you, Derek? Um, my The best email is Derek, which is D-E-R-E-K, at dpproperty.co.uk or look me up on Facebook. Um, if you look at my cover picture, it's a picture of my advertising van on the moon, <laughs> which is quite interesting. A friend of mine did that, so have, mm. a, have a look at that. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's quite unique. But yeah, email, Facebook... Um, you know, as I always say, I love to talk property. So give me a shout. We can have a chat. Brilliant. So Derek at dpproperty.co.uk. Yes. Brilliant. So Derek's waiting for you. If you want to talk property, if you want to talk Hartley Pool, if you want to talk Northeast, whatever it is you want to talk about, lettings, deal sourcing, deal packaging. And of course, if you're on the VIP or if you're going to join the VIP, then you can always check out Derek as a mentor on the VIP as well. Sure, he'd love to. Well, you've heard he'd love to help you, so that'd be really good as well. Yeah, so Derek, thank you ever so much for coming in today. It's been thank great to you. speak to you. Thank you for inviting me, I've enjoyed it. Absolute pleasure. And I've been Peter. And if you want to know more about me, you can come over to my website www.thepropertyteacher. Very important to put the T H E in thepropertyteacher.co.uk, or even check me out on my YouTube channel. Just put in the property teacher on YouTube, and you'll find all of my videos. But until next time, until the next Progressive Property Podcast, here's to successful property investing. Yeah.